That night, I came face to face with a reality. And the reality was that Satan is real. I needed to make a decision who I was going to serve. Because either way, I was going to serve someone. GMBA YouthCast. Today on YouthCast, brother Larry Watson continues sharing his insane but true story about how being held captive by the Russian Secret Service during the heart of the Cold War redefined his idea of what true liberty really means. Welcome back, Brother Larry. Thank you for being our guest again. Just to remind our viewers where we left off in this crazy story. So you were you were baptized one summer. A good seed was planted in you, but you went off to college and didn't really cultivate that. You didn't really attend church very much, started to be more influenced by your friends and your professors, and in a way started to reject uh, the Word of God a little bit. A couple years into college, you go on a trip to Austria to study abroad for the summer. Between sessions, you take a side trip to the Soviet Union, and the Soviet government thinks that you and your traveling buddy are American spies. They take you into captivity. You get interrogated alone for several days. Nobody knows this is happening. Your parents don't know. Your classmates back in Austria don't know. The United States government doesn't even know. Finally, you're reunited with your traveling buddy, and they're telling you, you need to lie and incriminate yourselves at an upcoming press conference. Otherwise, you're going to face 10 to 15 years in prison in the Soviet Union. Is that accurate? Yes, that's accurate, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right now, you're with your buddy. Yes, we were in, under uh, hotel arrest. And what's that conversation going like? That night, my friend and I, we were under no delusions. We realized that um, our only hope was God. We were praying for a miracle. But the question was, should we tell the truth or not? Understanding that if we lied, supposedly, that they would let us off. And if we didn't lie, then we would be in deep trouble. So we went to bed that night, and we both agreed that if either of us in the morning felt that we needed to collaborate with them and incriminate us ourselves and the United States, that we would both go along with it. That night we prayed, we went to bed, and in the middle of the night, I was awakened. I heard my sister praying for me. I've never had any experience like that before, um, but I could hear her praying. Um, I didn't even know if anybody knew we were being held. And I come to find out that they didn't know until that night. That's when they notified the American government. The American government then in turn um, tried to get a hold of my parents. Unfortunately, it got to the press, the American press beforehand. My sister, she got a call from one of the sisters and, and she said, 
are your parents watching the six o'clock news? She said, yes, you got to turn it off right away because your brother is on the news right now. She went in there, but by then it was too late. That's how my parents found out that we had been arrested. That is terrible. Yeah. I just feel horrible, even today, that I brought my parents through that. What we didn't know is that the news began to travel all over the church. People didn't know a whole lot of what was going on, but the, they did see the news clippings because it was in major new, news networks, ABC, NBC, CBS. Next morning comes. How do you feel in the morning? What do you decide to do? We both felt the same strongly that we were going to put our trust in God. I was not used to that. And so we went to that press conference, and sure enough, uh, it, was, it was packed. And they at, did ask those questions. If we were actually agents of the CIA, if we were smugglers, and we answered them, honestly. You're going to go on trial now, is what they had said, right? And you're going to face 10 to 15 years in prison. We were expecting that that was going to follow that news conference. I can't express to you, I, I have no words to describe the joy that I felt to hear the words that we were free to go. The Soviets let you off the hook for now, but you're still not out of the woods because you got to get out of the country without them having any second thoughts. Where do you go from here? So the nightmare wasn't over. We got to uh, Warsaw. Which is, that's in, is that in Poland? Yes, yes. We met with the chief consulate there, and he told us, you boys need to understand how extremely fortunate you are. He said in the Soviet Union, they would not accuse you of something like that unless they were prepared to convict you because it now is an embarrassment to them to let you go. He told us about the fact that they had broken that treaty. We knew none of this. All we knew is that it was a miracle. I will never deny that. As long as I live, it was a flat out miracle. However, he said, you really need to get out of Poland right away. And he recommended we fly out. My friend had bought his car. He would have had to have abandoned his car or drive it out. Well, he didn't want to abandon his car. So he was going to drive it out. And I didn't want to leave him alone driving. So I told him that I would go with him. So um, we headed for the border. And I think I already told you that our car was underpowered. Well, that, that's an understatement. <laughs> At 40 miles an hour, we thought we were really cruising. And we hit a rainstorm. It was storming so hard that the rain started to come into the car. Oh, no. The top. Remember, with a convertible, with a canvas top. The base of the car was now filling up with water. So while my friend is driving, I had to open up the car door and bail out. The water and then we're 
we're talking as we, we're driving, and we're talking about how when we get to, to uh, Vienna, we're going to tell the, the whole world what they did to us. And it was beginning to sink in how that they had manipulated us. Because if we had said what they wanted us to say, and they said they'd show mercy to us, we would have given them what they needed to have put us on trial and put us away for years. And isn't that just the way the devil works? He'll tell us, you're going to want that. You're going to be better off if you do this. And it's exactly the opposite of what he says. And so we were going to tell that our side of the story, that how they had treated us, how they were trying to deceive us. So now we're, we're talking this way, and then it hit us at the same time. The car was robbed. Again, we weren't thinking like spies. If we were thinking like <laughs> spies, we realized they would bug the car. We realized we had just given them more ammunition to use against us. At that point, this truck that was following close behind us passed us and sped on up to the border. As we were approaching the border, this happened to be only days before the Soviet Union was mobilizing to invade Czechoslovakia. We saw this. We saw these troops. And if you thought we were already scared, that completely terrified us to see these tanks now and everything else. But we got to the border, and they were waiting for us. And again, we were separated. And again, we were interrogated. But again, by the grace of God, they let us go. And the next day, we got across the border in time, and we made it back home. In the heat of the moment here, you were clinging to your faith. You were clinging to the Lord. Does that stay with you when you're back in the United States? Well, I, I wish I could say it did. Um, I will say that it definitely got my attention. In retrospect, I realized that what was missing in my life was I had never really repented. And what I mean by that word repent, I think sometimes we don't fully understand what the word means. When we reach the age of accountability, we may not have done any great sin in our life. Perhaps we did. But it doesn't mean that we're not all sinners. We all are. That's the nature of our flesh, our fallen nature, that we're in rebellion. I would say that I wanted Jesus as my Savior, especially at that point. And I acknowledge what he had done. I would never deny that. But I, didn't, I wasn't prepared to have him as my Lord. God had more work to do to humble me and to cause me to fully repent. How did you finally reach that point of what you would call full repentance? After I graduated, went back home to uh, the San Fernando Valley in the Los Angeles area. It was New Year's Eve, and my friend had invited me to a party that he was having of all of our college buddies. And then my parents wanted me to go to church to the watch service. These are at the same time. This was at the same time, yeah. And I was, I, and I had been at a crossroads in many ways. I was being pulled in different, I was really being pulled 
And I guess I thought, one day I'll serve God, but not, not yet. I'm having too much fun. I'm not ready now. And so I went to the party. And one thing led to another. And um, I did something that I had promised God that I would not do. And I got intoxicated. And I had promised God that I would not do that. I began to flash back to what had happened in the Soviet Union. On top of that, all the guilt, the guilt of the fact that I had promised God. And just all these things just came crashing down on me. That night, I came face to face with a reality. And the reality was that Satan is real. And that he was that I was engaged in a battle and I had no idea how desperate that struggle was. It was like walking into the enemy's camp and putting my weapons down. That's what, what I was doing. That reality began to cause me to also realize that if God, that if Satan is real, I needed to make a decision who I was going to serve. Because either way, I was going to serve someone. I was either going to serve the enemy and my flesh, or I was going to serve the Lord and his spirit. Several nights later, I um, was getting ready to go back up to the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. I had already enrolled in law school up there. My dad came into my room, and he asked if he could pray with me. And, of course, I loved my father, and I admired him greatly. And, of course, I said, yes, Dad. As he began to pray, something happened within me. And that was the night that I truly repented of my sins. And I began to sob. And this sobbing came from deep within my soul. The guilt of the past, the fear of the future. Grief, so, so, so much grief within me. But then to the same degree, when I repented, I began to feel the joy and the release. And after my dad, my dad finished praying, then I prayed. And that's when I offered myself up to the Lord. And this time I truly gave him everything. I told my parents you never have to worry about me again. I will never go over that path again. I decided to drop out of law school. And uh, I re-enrolled in a college near home. And I went into education instead of law with the intention of working with Native American children because I felt God calling me in that direction. The entire course of my life changed. God had me hook, line, and sinker. Mm. And I didn't want to be out of his sphere of influence. That's exactly where I wanted to be because I knew that I was done with the world. There was nothing there that I wanted. Thinking back to where we started from, you said you felt that you know serving God was too restrictive, that it took away your freedom and liberty. And now I hear it sounds like you're saying like that song says, I am bound, but I'm bound by his love and I don't want to be free. So that's, that's an awesome testimony. 
Is there a scripture that you feel would summarize this chapter in your life? Yes. Um, there is a scripture that comes to mind. And maybe to understand why I chose this scripture, it's important to understand that the fact that the Lord was teaching me about humility. And I think I wanted the glory for myself. And I had to understand that I had to live my life for the glory of Jesus Christ. Having said that, this is a scripture that speaks to me about that chapter in my life. It's found in uh, the book of Jeremiah, the ninth chapter, beginning in the 22nd verse. It says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise boast in his wisdom, nor the mighty boast in his might, nor the rich glory in his riches. But let one who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. For I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these things I delight. It is a declaration of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Those verses call out uh, our wisdom, our strength, our wealth. There are a lot of things that we can put our confidence in to convince ourselves that we don't need God. But listening to your story makes me think, you know, the freedom that these things offer us is an illusion. Because whatever it is that we're pursuing in our life, that becomes our master. It's going to dictate how we make every decision. And the problem is, we can't count on these things to be there for us when the going gets rough. And we can't count on anything other than God to be looking out for our own best interest, to offer us real unconditional love and, and peace when our situation looks out of control and freedom from the fear of tomorrow, freedom from the guilt of the past, and ultimately eternal life. And, and that's what God offers us when we offer our life to, to serve him. And I, and I am so thrilled with the opportunity that you've given me to speak to the young people of the church. I have a great love and affection for our young people. And I encourage you to use your talents, your gifts, your education, your professional training for the Lord. Thank you for being with us and to our audience. I look forward to seeing you next time. I'm Holden Ivey from Mesa, Arizona. You can connect with the GMBA on YouTube, all major podcast platforms, and Instagram. There are links in the description. Make sure to like and subscribe, leave a comment, and share this with someone you know. Thank you. Thank you.